take your Bibles and turn to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. As you're turning there, uh, it was mentioned that I'll be teaching Sunday school, second hour, and just want you to know that it's going to be on angelology, study of angels. And I'm not going to be able to cover everything, so I'm going to hit kind of the highlights. Um, We'll be talking about angels in general, uh, talking about evil in God's world, spiritual warfare, and then just answering some key questions on the spirit world. So that's what I'm going to do in the second hour as Pastor Brian preaches over the next four weeks on fear. And so we've talked through this, and that's what our plans are, and trust that you'll be encouraged in the next month with these things. Beloved, I want you to listen to these verses from the psalmists. Psalm 2 in verse 12 says this, Do homage to the Son, that He may not become angry and you perish in the way. For His wrath may soon be kindled. How blessed are all who take refuge in Him. Psalm 34, 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in Him. Psalm 40 in verse 4. How blessed is the man who made the Lord his trust and is not turned to the proud nor to those who lapse into falsehood. Those three passages were spoken by David under the inspiration of the Spirit of God. We come to Psalm 84 in verse 12. O Lord of hosts, how blessed is the man who trusts in you. That was spoken by the sons of Korah. What is the constant theme you heard from those verses? It is blessing upon those who trust in the Lord, right? Yes, it's blessing upon those who trust in the Lord. In fact, you can go on to Proverbs 16 and verse 20, and you can see the same words there as well. It's said many times over in Scripture. Now, I want you to follow with me as I read Proverbs 3, 1 to 12. My son, do not forget my teaching. But let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him. And He will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord from your wealth. And from the first of all your produce. So your barns will be filled with plenty. And your vats will overflow with new wine. My son, do not reject the discipline of the Lord or loathe his reproof. For whom the Lord loves, he reproves, even as a father corrects the son in whom he delights. And may God add his blessing to the reading of that portion of Scripture. This passage contains two verses with which we are very, very familiar. Most of us know them from memory. They just fall from our tongues. In fact, this past week, I was just talking with a couple of people who said these two verses are my life verse. And that is verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart 
and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your paths straight. As you can see, they're in the middle of a context, giving wisdom's instruction and blessing. They are at the heart of this text because wisdom rests upon God. In fact, what you have in these two verses is sound wisdom because all of life is about trusting God. That is relying, depending, resting upon Him and leaning not on one's own understanding. As one writer said, man's intellect apart from God will not guide him aright. Oh, how true that is. Proverbs twenty-eight twenty-six: He that trusteth in his own heart is a fool, but whoso walketh wisely shall be delivered. And what is walking wisely? It's trusting in the Lord. That's walking wisely. In fact, I like the word pictures Solomon offers for those who do trust in the Lord. We read in Proverbs 18 and verse 10, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runs into it and is safe. How about Proverbs 30 and verse 5? Every word of God is tested. He is a shield to those who take refuge in Him. And so the question is, do you follow the instruction of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6? We know it very well. We're familiar with it. But do we follow the instruction that's found in that passage of Scripture? Would you say that you are regularly trusting in the Lord? And if not, why not? Just ask yourself that question. Why not? In these days, you and I have a wonderful opportunity to apply the truth as seen here. I mean, in the last year, we've been through this COVID pandemic, and we're still in it. Do you find your hearts fearful? Then you're not trusting in the Lord. How about this whole matter of social injustice? And how about the recent presidential election? And thinking, oh my, how is the next year going to go? We start to become overly concerned and fearful. We're going to be with these things for a while. And maybe the Lord in His sovereign plan is going to add a few more things to all of this. But we have a wonderful opportunity in 2021 to trust the Lord in the midst of this. Better than we did in 2020. So it's important for us to know all that we can about trusting the Lord. And so I want to ask and answer three simple questions this morning. Just three simple questions regarding our trust in the Lord. And pray that you better understand it, appreciate it, and practice the counsel that we have here in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. A passage with which you are very, very familiar. Sometimes so familiar that you don't even think about it. This is an opportunity for us this morning to think about it deeply. And I trust that it will encourage your heart. The first question that I have is simply this. Who is to trust in the Lord? We'll start right there. Who is to trust in the Lord? 
Well, your first response may be to answer, well, everyone is to trust in the Lord. Okay. But Solomon began this section with what in verse 1? How did he begin it? What two words? My son. He did this in a number of places, beginning with chapter 1 in verse 8. You see it there. My son. Says it again in 115. My son. Chapter 2 in verse 1. My son. Chapter 3, verse 11. My son. Chapter 3, verse 21. My son. <laughs> Says it a number of times. Now literally, he may be speaking to his son. Or he may be speaking as a father to a son like a fatherly friend or a disciple. Anyway, it seems, given the instruction of this passage, that it was primarily directed to those who can trust in the Lord. And that is believers. That would be my answer here. And again, I say that due to the context. Look with me at chapter 3, verses 11-12, where it says this, My son... Do not reject the discipline of the Lord or loathe His reproof. For whom the Lord loves, He reproves, even as a father corrects the son in whom He delights. Where have you seen those verses elsewhere? In Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 to 12 there. He's speaking about the chastening of the Lord upon believers there. And the writer there quotes this passage in Proverbs chapter 3. So again, I say that Likely here, he is speaking to believers. And so by God's grace, beloved, you can and are to trust in the Lord as a pattern of life. That's what we're called to do. And yet there are times that you don't, right? I mean, I don't. Now that's not okay, all right? It is not okay. In fact, God wants us to repent and ask him to strengthen our faith, because this is characteristic of salvation. And to emphasize that point, turn with me over to Hebrews chapter 10, holding your space here in Proverbs 3. Hebrews chapter 10. I want to read the last few verses of that chapter. Hebrews 10. Beginning with verse 37. For yet in a very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back to destruction but of those who have faith to the preserving of the soul. And then he goes on in chapter 11. And by the way, he continues to talk about faith. In chapter 11, on into chapter 12. Chapter 11, verse 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. So as believers... It is characteristic of our salvation. We can and are to trust in the Lord. And yet, on the other hand, it's very possible this morning that as you sit here, you are not a Christian. 
I want you to know that the Lord wants you to trust in Him with regards to salvation. God is not willing that any should perish. That is His desire for you to repent. This is where it begins when you repent of your sin and turn to Jesus for salvation. He is your only hope. And then by God's grace and indwelling spirit, you will be able to live out your newfound faith. In fact, that's what it says in Ephesians 2, 8 to 10. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. But it doesn't stop there. He goes on to say how faith lives itself out. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So yes, good works are a result of faith in the heart. So if you're not saved this morning, you don't have true faith in Jesus. But if you find your heart wanting to turn from your sin to Jesus, then turn! Trusting Him and Him alone for your salvation. And watch what He will do in your life. He'll turn you around I can't think of a better way to start out the new year. Can you? (laughs) I can't. That's the best way to start out 2021. If you don't know Jesus, even as you sit here in those chairs. You notice I didn't say pews. Chairs, all right? (laughs) Turn from your sin to Jesus. And if you want to talk with somebody, there are a number of believers who would love to visit with you afterwards and show you from the Scriptures how you can know Him as your personal Savior. Don't reject Him. So may God help you all to examine your hearts this morning and lead you to trust in Him, whether as a believer in regards to sanctification or as an unbeliever in regards to salvation. That answers the question, who is to trust in the Lord? Now to the next important question. How are you to trust in the Lord? It's a simple question that needs to be answered. How are you to trust in the Lord? Well, right away, Solomon told his son to trust in the Lord with all your heart. That's how. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, the very core of your being, which begins with your mind and includes your emotions and will. You see, as you think, you feel, and then you act. (laughs) Yeah, that covers the core of your very being. The second half of the verse there confirms this from a negative aspect. And do not lean on your own understanding. So understanding there, insight corresponds with heart in the first half of the verse. So to trust the Lord wholeheartedly is what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 10.5, taking every thought captive To the obedience of Christ. Yeah. In that passage there in 2 Corinthians, he's talking about false teaching. You start to think wrong, and you're going to start living wrong. We need to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. In other words, 
Let your thoughts be guided by the promises and precepts of God's Word. Yeah, that's what He's given to us. I can't help but think of those words in Colossians 3.16 where Paul told the church at Colossae, Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. The only way that's going to happen is if you're in it. (laughs) You can't be passive and just look and say, wow, that'd be great this year to read through the whole Bible and to study it and to meditate upon it. Yeah, you got to take action for the Word of God to dwell in you. That way you're taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ daily. You're trusting Him with all your heart. Well, this is followed by what Solomon went on to say in verse 6. Here's another way. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. (laughs) That's another way that we trust in the Lord. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. Now, acknowledging God is more than offering a tip of the hat, so to speak, to God. I mean, you've been walking down the street before. You may have had a hat on and you come in high contact with somebody and they smile and maybe nod and you maybe tip your hat to them. You acknowledge them. Or in golf, let's say you make a long putter, hit a long drive and everybody's just clapping their hands. And as the golfer walks away, he tips his hat to them in appreciation for what he just did. That's not what is understood here, okay? But we can think that way because of the translation. Really, the Hebrew word carries the idea of knowing him intimately and confessing his lordship over the affairs of your life. Yada is the Hebrew word there. It's an intimate word. It's speaking about a relationship with God from the heart. You recognize his supremacy and submit to his guidance as seen in this context. What does he say in verse 1? But let your heart keep my commandments. Verse 3. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. In verse 7, he says, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Verse 9. Honor the Lord with your wealth and from the first of all your produce. These are all demonstrations of trust in the Lord with all your heart, acknowledging Him. His supremacy over your whole life. Every aspect of it. And so trusting the Lord demands full commitment of life. It begins with all your hearts and extends to all your ways. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Those wonderful words in the New Testament. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Talking about full commitment to the Lord. That's... A demonstration of trust right there. I like how one writer put it. Our trust in God grows us as we learn more and more about Him. 
The more we know God, the closer we draw to Him. Trusting God cannot be separated from intimacy with God. These three, trusting Him, leaning wholly upon Him, and acknowledging Him, are the mechanics of a life totally committed to Him. Yeah. And so, beloved, it's no wonder that Jerry Bridges, in his book, Trusting God, emphasizes knowing Him (laughs) through His sovereignty. His love and wisdom is seen in the Bible. And as you do, that is how you will trust Him more and more with each passing day. In fact, I would encourage you to get the book if you haven't. All right? And for those who have the book, well, then read it again. (laughs) And read it with an open Bible and heart. I think I've said this to you before. It is in the top five best books I've ever read. Because trusting God impacts every aspect of life. And I believe that if you do, you will find that it will renew and transform you. It will. I know it has mine. In fact, I think I need to go back and read it a fourth time. (laughs) And read it with an open Bible because Jerry Bridges does a great job of just one passage after another, exalting God for who He is, lifting up His sovereignty, lifting up His love, lifting up His wisdom, so that when you're done reading, you go, why aren't I trusting the Lord? That's what you're left with. So we've asked and answered, who is to trust the Lord? How are you to trust the Lord? Finally, to one other question here. Why are you to trust in the Lord? Again, another simple question. Why are you to trust in the Lord? And I believe there are three solid reasons. Three solid reasons that are offered directly and indirectly in these verses. The first is because it's commanded. (laughs) It's commanded. There are three imperatives To trust in the Lord stated three different ways indicating how important it is. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him. Three times in three different ways. The imperative is there. It's been commanded. And as believers having God's love on your hearts, you should want to obey and commit yourself to God. You know, Jesus said to his own disciples, if you love me, you will, what? Keep my word. You'll keep my word. That's what you'll want to do. Really, this shouldn't be about something you have to do, right? (laughs) Yeah, it should be about something you want to do. So it's commanded. That's a good reason. Second, trusting the Lord is reasonable. It's reasonable. Solomon said, trust what? In the Lord. In all your ways acknowledge Him. (laughs) You see, the Lord here is Yahweh, God. The one and only true God as described in Deuteronomy 6 and verse 4. 
And so as you consider his person revealed in the scriptures, he is worthy of your complete trust. There is no one or anything else that can be fully trusted. You know, as we sit here this morning, just ask yourself, who is the one person that you trust the most in this life? Now, there could be a few, a family member, a friend, a spouse, but I will let you know something. There is no way that they compare to the Lord. They will in some way or another fall short. They will. But the Lord never falls short. Amen? Yeah, it's reasonable. We're talking about Yahweh God here. Our sovereign God. Now I want you to look with me, if you would, at Isaiah 40. Just holding your space here. Turn with me to Isaiah 40. And if you'll bear with me, I want to read a good portion of Scripture and just let the Scripture itself speak to your heart. Maybe some of you are familiar with this text. Isaiah the prophet is speaking to Judah as they prepare to go into exile. They were an idolatrous nation, and he's reminding them of who their God is. That's what I want you to see this morning. This is what we need to be reminded of always. So I'm going to read verses 12 through 31. That's a big portion of Scripture, but just let the truth just touch your heart. Isaiah the prophet says, Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and marked off the heavens by the span and calculated the dust of the earth by the measure and weighed the mountains in a balance and the hills in a pair of scales? Who has directed the Spirit of the Lord or as his counselor has informed him? With whom did he consult and who gave him understanding and who taught him in the path of justice and taught him knowledge and informed him of the way of understanding? Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket and are regarded as a speck of dust on the scales. Behold, he lifts up the islands like the fine dust. Even Lebanon is not enough to burn, nor its beasts enough for a burnt offering. All the nations are as nothing before him. They are regarded by him as less than nothing and meaningless. To whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness will you compare with him? As for the idol, a craftsman casts it, a goldsmith plates it with gold. As a silversmith fashions chains of silver, he who is too impoverished for such an offering selects a tree that does not rot. He seeks out for himself a skillful craftsman to prepare an idol that will not totter. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been declared to you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth. As inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in. He it is who reduces rulers to nothing, who makes the judges of the earth meaningless. Scarcely have they been planted, scarcely have they been sown, scarcely has their stock taken root in the earth. But he merely blows on them and they wither. And the storm carries them away like stubble. To whom then will you liken me that I would be his equal, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these stars. The one who leads forth their host by number. He calls them all by name because of the greatness of his might and the strength of his power. Not one of them is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, 
and assert, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and the justice due me escapes the notice of my God? Do you not know? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. His understanding is unscrutable. He gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might, he increases power. Now we come to the application of all this truth that we've just learned about God. Just as we were singing this morning, Be thou my vision. <laughs> we just gotten a vision here. What does he say? Though youths grow weary and tired, and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who what? Wait upon the Lord. <laughs> Hope in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. Again, may God add his blessing to the reading of his word here. Oh, beloved, in whatever circumstances or situation you find yourself, look away to him. He alone is what's reasonable. <laughs> and finally, you trust in the Lord because of his divine guidance. It's commanded, it's reasonable, but we have his divine guidance. As Solomon went on to say there in verse 6, acknowledge him and what? He will direct your paths or make your ways straight. As you and I walk in this world, it's dark. It's filled with hindrances and difficulties. It's crooked. But God, through his word, is the light that brings clarity. It brings security and leads you safely to the right destination. That is what he is saying there in verse 6. Very simply. Now again, holding your space right here, turn with me to Psalm 23. Psalm 23, I know these verses are familiar to you as well. Psalm 23. I'm just going to read the first four verses. I would imagine some of you have this psalm memorized. My first introduction to Psalm 23, I think I've said this to you before, when I was about six years old, my mom and dad used to go out shopping and they would drop my brother and I off at an elderly lady's home in the church. And she would be willing to watch us while my parents went shopping. And so for two hours while we were there at her house, what did we do? Memorize Psalm 23. <laughs> we memorized Psalm 23. So I got to know this at an early age. It says there, the Lord is my shepherd. Yahweh God. He's my shepherd. I shall not want. That's what he states right off from the beginning. There's nothing outside of him that we need. <laughs> we have it all in him, right? Yes. And then he goes on to tell why. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, deep darkness. Yes, we all do at times. I fear no evil or harm for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Aren't those words wonderful? It's good for us to memorize this passage. Let it sit in our soul and our hearts so that when we're living from one day to the next and all these things that are pounding our hearts, 
we fall on this passage of Scripture and remind us of who's in control. It is our God. Psalm 37, 5. Commit your way unto the Lord. Trust also in Him and He will bring it. That is your way to pass. How about Psalm 119, 105? Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You got it memorized, don't you? Yeah. I think you learned that probably in Awana, right? Good, yes. (laughs) Let it stick fast in your heart. So, beloved, may you know the rich blessing of God's divine guidance in 2021 as you trust in Him and lean not on your own understanding, your own insight. I can tell you right now, That if you're leaning on your own insight, you will be swept away by your emotions and your will. You will make poor decisions. Mark my word. You say, how do you know that? It's happened in my own heart and life. And I've seen it happen time and time again with God's people. When they're leaning on their own insight about things, rather than seeing what the Scriptures say and submitting to it, then all of a sudden, they make poor choices and they go down a path where God has to discipline them and bring them back. I believe many of you know the story of Horatio Spafford. How would you like to have a name like that? Horatio. He was the author of that great hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. It is well with my soul. If you haven't or if you've forgotten, just listen to this. Spafford was born in North Troy, New York, on October 20th, 1828. As a young man, Spafford had established a successful legal practice in Chicago. Along with his financial success, he always maintained a keen interest in Christian activities. He enjoyed a close and active relationship with D.L. Moody and other evangelical leaders of that era. He is described by George Stebbins as a noted gospel musician, as a man of unusual intelligence and refinement, deeply spiritual, and a devoted student of the Scriptures. Some months prior to the Chicago Fire of 1871, Spafford had invested heavily in real estate on the shores of Lake Michigan, and his holdings were wiped out by this disaster. Desiring a rest for his wife and four daughters, as well as wishing to assist Moody and Sankey in one of their campaigns in Great Britain, Spafford planned a European trip for his family in November of 1873. Due to unexpected last-minute business developments, he had to remain in Chicago, but he sent his wife and four daughters on ahead as scheduled. He expected to follow in a few days. On November 22nd, the ship that they were in was struck by the Law Kern, an English vessel, and sank in 12 minutes. Several days later, the survivors were finally landed at Cardiff, Wales. And Mrs. Spafford cabled her husband, saved alone. Shortly afterwards, Spafford left by ship to join his bereaved wife. It is thought that on the sea near the area where his four daughters had drowned, Spafford penned this text, whose words so significantly describe his own personal grief when sorrows like sea billows roll. It is noteworthy, however, that Spafford's hymn does not dwell on the theme of life's sorrows and trials, 
but focuses attention in the third stanza on the redemptive work of Christ and in the fourth stanza anticipates His glorious second coming. Humanly speaking, it is amazing that one could experience such personal tragedies and sorrows as Horatio Spafford did and still be able to say with convincing clarity, it is well with my soul. How was he able to do that? He was trusting in the Lord. He was trusting in the Lord. The Lord who had saved him, who had redeemed him. That was exalted in his heart. And then as he looked to the future, it was the coming of Christ and being with him forever. His mind was focused on the internal rather than on the temporary. He was a man who fully trusted in the Lord. And beloved, God does not keep you and I from these trials and hardships. We're going to have them in 2021, just like we did in 2020. Maybe even worse. That could be possible. It's a part of being in this world, but in His sovereign plan, He has ordained them both to discipline His children, yes, that's on one side of the coin, but also to grow our faith. So there should be joy in this, right? Count it all joy when you encounter various trials because the trying of your faith, what? Worketh patience. You're growing. It's about your sanctification, preparing you for eternity. But the reason we get frustrated and we fear and we lack our trust in the Lord is because we're focused on the temporal rather than the eternal. We get swept away by it so easily, so quickly. And so let the promise of 1 Corinthians 13 fill your soul. What does it say there? Let no temptation or trial overtaking you, but such as is common to man. How many times have you said, nobody's ever gone through what I've gone through? Oh yes, scriptures tell us that there is someone else who has. This is common to man. Our trials are. And God is faithful. Amen? Yeah, God's faithful. Who will not allow you to be tried beyond that you are able, but with the trial Provide the way of escape also so that you will be able to endure it. Sometimes he never takes the trial away. The promise of this verse is that he'll carry you through it. That's it right there. He will. God is faithful. He will carry you through to the end. That is the blessing of trusting him. That is the blessing for the new year. (laughs) That's the promise we have. May you embrace it for your hearts. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word this morning. And again, what a blessing it is to to think upon a passage that we know very, very well. And sometimes we just spin it off our tongues without giving thought to it. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity this morning. Lord, may it be fixed in our very soul as we move forward into the new year and face the trials that we will face. But God, may we bring glory to you. We can and should trust in you. We have everything that's necessary for life and godliness. So we praise you this morning for what you've done in our hearts and what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen.